Hello, turds. That's Mr. Turd to you. Our best episode yet. Superhero Time presents that one episode of Star Trek with Chris. Yeah, fisting's not out of the question. Hey, Mickey. Oh, honey, let me tell you. Scott. I like it when he calls me honey. And Fort Max. Possibly. Hardcore Fenton Mud. What have you been up to? Have you been drinking again? So again, I, I, one one observation I would like to make about Voyager, and I think we've already kind of touched on this, but this episode kind of uh, solidified it for me. Neelix is the best character in Voyager. That's an no. odd way to pronounce the Doctor. No, the Doctor <laughs> is the most awesome, and, and he's my favorite. Doctor is my favorite, but Neelix is still the best realized, written, and 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 fleshed out character. That's still an odd way to pronounce the Doctor. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, Neelix is the most underrated character on Voyager. Okay, I agree with that. Yeah. But hey, because, speaking of the yeah. Doctor... Um, now, I will say Neelix is the best character who is not the Doctor. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Robert Ricardo on Orville. Yeah, that was awesome. That episode was surprisingly good. Yeah, that was a very good episode. It was up until about 12 to 15 minutes in when I realized what was going on. I never did. Oh, okay. Yeah, me either. Because, uh, okay, the episode starts out like, <clears throat> oh, okay, so it's going to be like some kind of fire trauma episode. Mm-hmm. And it goes along that path until she starts having, like, the fear of things. Like, okay, well, then she's hallucinating. But then everyone else is hallucinating, too. And it's on camera. Yeah, and it keeps, what the hell was going on kept changing throughout the episode. And I thought that was really interesting because it kept me guessing as to what that was actually happening. Yeah. So my first thought on what was going on was that what we were seeing was all happening like in the space of a couple seconds while she was standing there staring at the fireball. Um, and then it's just like, okay, this is getting a little bit too out there anyway. It, there's probably a little bit more to it than that. So, I mean, I wasn't quite on the holodeck thing, but like... I pretty much had it nailed with the clown. Well, I did. Now, yeah, even when they, even when they showed that she was in the simulator, I'm still thinking, what the fuck is going on? I mean, they really had to explain it that, oh, no, this was her. We did a memory wipe on her so she could test herself. Holy shit, she's badass. And see, when they got to the explanation phase, I just am like, wow, that's a whole stack of plot contrivance right there. I don't think so. They don't make I mean, sense. I think they it weren't be... quite as bad as ones in the Voyager episode we just watched. No, oh, it's geez. Not, well, in an exposition sense, it probably is. Because um, at least Voyager worked its exposition into flashbacks. So it kind of, you know, didn't interrupt the, the narrative so much. This is just, they're sitting in a room literally talking about what we just watched. Much oh, like okay, this podcast. <laughs> yeah, what about you did? <laughs> No, uh, no, no, that's actually a good point. Yeah, they did sit there and just kind of 
exposition it out. Yeah, so, that, that's a point. I like the the point of view from the um the observation platform where you could actually see their holodeck doing the treadmill thing. Yeah, that was weird. Yes. Like that, that was, was that really was cool. that was a cool thing to finally see realized since one of those Star Trek tech manuals or whatever suggested yep. the technology working that way. Um like I like that part, but for every other element of it, I think it would have worked better even if it would have been a little bit more predictable, I would think it would have worked better if it was her just having a complex hallucination in those couple seconds looking at the fire, reliving that past trauma. Eh, perhaps. I was really into what they were doing with the episode. It just, as it went along and they got farther and farther into it, the cracks kind of started showing through more and more. Yeah, my my actual my only if I had a complaint about it, mine would be that I'm getting a little tired of Alara being so insecure and her having to go through character growth in this way about her being insecure about her position on the ship, because that, that's happened more than once in the season. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where it's like that's been a plot point that she's insecure. Oh, I'm not good enough for this job. I want to quit. And then although someone usually the captain had to talk her down out of it. Although I it's mean, it seems old. like they kind of expand on that a little bit with the conversation with her parents. Where there's that whole undercurrent of you're not smart enough. Oh my god, yeah, that was like holy so. Shit. Like it seems like that's trying to establish that a lot of her insecurity that keeps coming up is stuff that's been put into her by her parents. Yeah, no kidding. I don't think it's just her parents. I think it's the whole culture. Of the yeah, planet, probably, like. probably so. But I mean, you know, her parents are who would be doing it to her the most. But yeah, I mean, if she doesn't yeah, fit yeah, in with yeah. her society, that's going to kind of screw her up even when she's out among aliens that don't have the same values. It mm -hmm. is an interesting concept. Though. Here's these aliens that are, you know, ten times stronger than humans, but they're all these pacifist, hippie, intellectual kind of thing, and they find any kind of physicality, you know, demeaning or, or insulting. So that's kind of an interesting twist on them. They're like Vulcans, but even more so. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of hoping when it did look for those first few minutes, like, you know, the fire trauma episode, et cetera, et cetera. I was kind of hoping this would somehow result in, like, a visit to her home world to actually go personally talk to her family. Oh, so I'm we sure could actually get some exploration of some uh, building of the culture itself firsthand. Yeah, the Salayans. Yeah. But that would have been interesting, too. Yeah, because we want to go to the Mocklin home world. We got to see what they what they're all about. So mm -hmm. yeah, going to see the Salayans would be interesting. I'm sure we will. I mean, they've already been renewed for second season, so I'm sure it's on the list. I'd kind of also like to see a look at uh, Isaac's home world, just for yeah. the purpose of showing that he's the only one built to be humanoid. That would be cool. Yeah, like all the rest of them are just some kind of like utility form to do whatever purpose they serve on their planet. But like he was made to look like a human to go out and do his job. Yeah, to sit in chairs and press buttons. Yeah, <laughs> I particularly enjoyed the fight between him and Alara. Yeah. Oh, yes, that was so well done. Well, it's easier since he's a completely enclosed suit. I mean, you know, no switching out stunt people. <laughs> well, just the fact that you, you get that sense of physicality and strength and momentum yeah. from them, which is, yeah. you know, it's been yeah, hard it to was, do on it TV was before. was good stunt work. Yeah. And, and the way it was edited and put together and paced was really good, too. It's One like, thing oh, I would have liked to see added to that is when she has that beam and she's, uh, you know, beating him down to the floor, like, impale him into the floor and bend it over him to try to keep him from getting back up. Yeah, that would have been cool. Kind of a Superman I think what move. it needed was, like, more uh, upskirt roundhouse kick. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that. It just really Sakamoto the whole thing. <laughs> you got my attention. Oh, damn. <laughs> 
Oh, somebody woke up Fort Max's libido. Watch out. Look, I am incredibly gay, okay? I know! You are incredibly gay. <laughs> hey, what am I, a chopped liver? Compared to Fort Max, kind of, yeah. Look, I've sucked more cocks than all of you. <laughs> Not going to argue wait, that. Wait, different ones or the same one multiple times? Actually, yes. I mean... In either measure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to get the parameters here. I just want to make sure I'm being honest. We need to scientifically analyze which of the two of us is gayer. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, what was the other thing I was going to say? There was something else about the episode I really liked. Too. What was Giant it? alligator. I like that as a throwaway reference. It is crushed. <laughs> oh, uh, the thing where where uh, she's fighting the clown in the cargo bay, and she's like, you know, knocks the the canisters toward him and everything, and it pulls up the the uh, not phaser, but the what do you even call their weapons? Guns. Okay, he pulls up a gun and like shoots and like vaporizes one of the canisters. It's like, oh, that's cool. You don't normally get to see that. Normally, it's just there's a little puff of smoke and a little bit flash of light, but it actually fucking disintegrated that. Big container. She. she threw I like the fight cool. with the clown in the cargo bay too, because of how clean the disappearances of the clown was. Yeah, like that was also cut together really well. Wait, wasn't this episode uh, uh, directed by Brandon Braga? I, don't I believe know. it was. I believe, yeah, because Picardo was in it, so Brandon Braga actually directed this one. Hmm. Okay, so that's kind of cool. Well, I mean, he's you know he's been doing Star Trek shit for quarter century, so he's, mm-hmm. he better know how to direct this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> It was really well directed. I mean, yeah. I liked uh, when the doctor uh, killed the nurse. Yeah, and she plays just that like blanket evil persona thing like scarily well. Yeah, that was entirely too natural seeming. I want a pizza. What kind of pizza do you want? She's not getting a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought I didn't think that was really funny. I also like this episode because the humor didn't get in the way of the storytelling like it usually yeah. does. Yeah, no, I mean, like, in a lot of ways, this is one of the strongest episodes the show has had in <clears throat> weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, don't let me picking out little flaws just because I saw through half the plot early on. I mean, don't let me downplay that. It was actually a good, enjoyable episode to watch. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, very, I really very reassuring it. after the last few weeks of feeling like I've been watching knockoff Stargate. We need yeah. more episodes like this and less like Planet Reddit. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, well, again, I mean, knockoff always... Stargate. Yeah, and I think we've all feel a little cheaped out when you go to oh, here's a planet that's just like Earth in the 21st century. Oh, how convenient! I think we're all a little done with that. And again, like, this is showing the concept, when they do stuff just set on the <laughs> ship, the episodes are a lot stronger than when they actually try to go do location stuff. That's true. Because they're fo- then they're just focusing in on their own little world, and that's when they can really play with their concepts. They don't have to, like, shoehorn in this whole separate idea. Now, I know that's in some contrast to me saying, boy, I wish I'd go to this character's home world so we could see what their culture is like. <laughs> well, I was about to say, it takes a certain amount of balance because you don't want to yeah. be too 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 uh, myopic and focus in too closely. You, yeah. know, you, know, you want to have it where the characters actually go out and do cool things too. Not everything is just about them all the time. So yeah. it's a hard balance to hit. Yeah, I, I mean, you. in the one case too, like going to Planet Reddit or whatever is not using that culture to explore one of the characters. It's just introducing, here's a funny idea we had. Right, it's a bit TOS. I think we all kind of agreed it felt kind of TOS-y. 
here's here's theme planet. Here's a planet of theme. <laughs> but going to a character's home world is just a vehicle for developing them and expanding the universe a little bit. Yeah, because that's what they absolutely did with the going to the Mocklin home world. Yeah, with the whole thing with all that. That was that was intense. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it felt important. It felt real. It was some heavy like world building for being what the third episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised they they jumped in it so quickly, but maybe they wanted to do that go go fast, go bold, go. Yeah, quick. I mean, in any normal situation, I would expect it to be like at the earliest back half of season one. Mm-hmm. Although this is you know, just a thirteen episode season. I don't know. I would assume so. Mm-hmm. Just gonna look it up. Be awfully expensive to do a show like this for full <clears throat> twenty six. Well, usually yeah. twenty three or so. Well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> No, okay, I mean, so... you're right, though. Adding even just ten more episodes on would make it cost quite a bit. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, looks like twelve episodes. Okay, then we're actually almost done with the season. Yeah, because the first episode was the two was a two-parter, so I think that's what's going on there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, kind of. So it's it's actually like the twelfth episode's actually. You know, episode thirteen, but because you know that they're the the, the the first one to go to, right? So Firestorm and then New Dimensions, and then the last one's called Mad Idolatry. Cool. Too bad it's not Mud Idolatry. <laughs> that would be such a good name for a Harry Mud episode. Yes, it would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Hardcore Fenton Mud. <laughs> have you been drinking? <laughs> no, have you been, have you been idolizing again? <laughs> <laughs> have you been staring at graven images? <laughs> no, he's just been playing Love Live. <laughs> oh, funny. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, it's time to talk about Voyager. God damn it. Oh, dear. Yeah, go for it, Scott. Fuck. All right. Okay, so I, I do enjoy the first scene in this episode a lot. So we are watching Star Trek Voyager Season 3, Episode 12, Macrocosm. So it's a whole episode about making Microsoft Excel spreadsheets calculate shit using macros. I had a macrocosm once. It was wonderful. <laughs> it went on for like five minutes. Toes curled so hard you were sore afterwards. All right, so anyway, open up. Uh, it's <laughs> Neelix and Janeway in a shuttlecraft of some kind. Uh, well, the like. outside the Type 6 shuttle, but that's certainly not the interior of a Type 6 shuttle. No, the interior looks like an alien kind of thing. So, well, well the interior is like the size of a runabout. Yeah. Well, uh, well, they took out all the engine and everything. <laughs> it's just a floating casket. Uh, so they're talking to some alien in like in a blue uniform who's got the most evolutionarily unvantageous facial markings where this thing goes over his mouth because you know species always survive when you they you know it's hard to eat mm-hmm. all right so they're doing this weird dance physical communication they're having thing. a vogue off they're, <laughs> i was going to say they're having a jojo pose off but jo- considering where uh rocky mm. would grab his poses from same thing this is so funny. Jay, we tried to interject, and he's like, please make her stop talking. He's like, okay, shut up. He's been watching the show. Yeah. Stupid, but funny. <laughs> I think I like about this opening. But Neelix, again, shows that he's actually really good at this kind of stuff. 
to which Janeway notices it goes, you know, maybe you should be an ambassador instead of just like a uh, morale officer. Yeah. All right. So they went to some trade mission to the TAC-TAC, these goofy-ass tactless aliens um, for some reason. I don't know what they actually were doing there, but it doesn't matter. You doesn't know, there was an alien anything. in these Space Nine that had a very similar facial prosthetic to that. Yeah. The Tick Ticks. <laughs> Talk Talks? Tick Ticks on Ticks. <laughs> All right. So Janeway's whining about how like mean they were to her. And he looks explains, well, you flipped them off. Yeah, you did the most offensive gesture toward them. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, okay, all right. So, yeah, she's still complaining about being shot. She studied all these different things, and she didn't understand the language. Neelix does, because he's not a fucking moron. What do you know? Okay, I'm, I'm moving forward a little bit. This is well, I thought Jane was like, I studied American Sign Language and the concept of alien languages and every other alien language, because I'm so smart. <laughs> but not all this stuff from the Delta Quadrant that we've never been to, that we've never uh, encountered before. Yeah, that's just pathetic. Not studying things you on the other side of the galaxy. All right, so for some reason, instead of the Voyager going to the planet, which is just close by, they decided to send Janeway and Neelix off on a shuttlecraft by themselves to the planet. It's because they're because otherwise the plot wouldn't work. <laughs> Yeah, they sent Neelix and Janeway down there to do trading in a shuttle. Like, wouldn't they have more to trade with the actual ship? I mean, well, the aliens use Bitcoin, so they don't actually have any material goods. Oh. <laughs> so stupid. All right. So anyway, they get back to where Voyager's supposed to be. Uh, they get to it, and is it not there? Or I yeah, they, yeah, they get to the ship, and it's not there. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, they get to where the ship's supposed to be, and it's not there, but then they track it down. Yeah, it's, it's parked a block away. Right. Yeah, like your, your your dick friends do, you know, and they drop you off somewhere, and they go, like, you know, the next row over. Mickey, you what do your dick car. friends do? <laughs> <laughs> I would assume him. Well, I don't like it when they park a mile away. I like to park, like, right in the yard. <laughs> right in the backyard, right? <laughs> All right. So, uh, all right, so we open up on the ship. There's the goofy-ass-looking Intrepid class. And you can tell that uh, something's <clears throat> wrong because the uh, ship isn't uh, horizontal to the screen. Right. Yeah. All right, so Alex and Janeway... Like, seriously, we should, they should be coming up on ships like that all the time, ships that are upside down compared to how they are. Well, presumably under normal circumstances, they detect the orientation of the ship as they're approaching and, you know, match it for docking or whatever. See, I always just assume they use the, the, the plane of the galaxy, because that's a pretty good reference. You got a 50-50 shot of being on the exact plane as everybody else. Okay, but, like, what if you're a culture who thinks that the South Pole is the North Pole? Well, then they should be eradicated from the universe, clearly. Oh, okay. Just like, left, just like left-handed people. Ah. Exactly. Thank you. Well, if you're not right, you're wrong, so. <laughs> so, uh, so, Neelix and Janeway are wandering around the ship going, well, this is spooky. Uh, I like how they're whispering. I know, that's a, maybe nobody will hear us. That's what, that's what Bessie said. She was watching this with me. She was like, why are they whispering? <laughs> There's nobody here. Who's going to hear them? <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, so, so I will say I do like the lighting here. Yeah, it's a pretty attractive episode, for except for some few glaring issues. Like Apparently being the Voyager. Main, 
Yeah. So they go to a console, and they're like, oh, that's weird. Main power's offline. Main computer's offline. Everything sucks. I don't know what's going on. But they could figure out that a bioneural gel pack in the mess hall ruptured. Yeah, that's really oddly specific information to have when the main computer's down. Yeah, in yeah. some random corridor. Yeah. The writer thought they were so clever. Uh, this is, okay, guys, this is called foreshadowing. This is what we're going to do. I like how yes. that learning that bit of information really affects absolutely nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Meaningless. Because I had because then I had to stop and until Vesti like you know parts of Voyager had bioneuro gel packs so it could compute faster. Dugger, dugger, dugger. All right, there are some neat callbacks though. I mean, like like this thing. But, they're going no, to... they're they're not those antioxidizer things that are in pill bottles. Yes. So they go down the corridor, and someone's clearly working on some plasma relay or something, some power relay, and they left their tools all sitting there on, so they must have left in a hurry. Spooky. Spooky dookie. All right, let's move it forward, because this is boring as shit. They find Wildman's quarters, and she was watching Neelix on repeat. Yeah. That's spooky. <laughs> How old is she in this episode? Is she still a little kid? Well, this, this is the, the well, Ensign Wildman's, but yeah, the, the, the baby was still a baby. Okay, so this is the little girl who's watching this. No, the no. mom was watching Neelix on repeat. Oh, okay. The so baby explains... isn't Ensign Wildman. Okay, so so Ensign Wildman. Okay, so that explains like why there's that stained puddle in the middle of the chair then when she's watching Neelix. Okay. So, yeah, they just kind of wander around. Everyone seems to have left in a hurry. Okay, well, let's make it to the bridge. Okay. So they're going down the corridors, being all spooky-fied. They hear a weird noise. They chase it. They chase it into a transporter room where it somehow melts into the bottom of the transporter pad. And there's a Jeffrey's tube right beneath it? Yeah, that's uh, not no. Right. No, it is not. And that annoyed me. There's supposed to be like Wait. two decks worth of like pattern buffers and shit underneath there. Yep, that's exactly fucking right. <laughs> Transporters really... are not as small as the platform you see. No. So one thing that's creepy about the scene is Neelix being underlit looks terrifying. Pause Okay, request XP. A humble request. <laughs> Make that image of, of Neelix being underlit looking at Janeway scarily. Make that the image for the episode, please. <laughs> In the transporter room? or In the transporter room, yes, sir. Okay. I'll look for Thank that. You. <clears throat> All you right. don't think it should be like Janeway fighting the Metroid? No, <laughs> God, no. So at this point, Janeway realizes, I'd say we've got some unexpected guests. Oh, you don't fucking say. Yeah, the fucking dialogue there as they leave the transporter room is dreadful. So there is an earlier concept for this episode that you didn't really get past pre-production uh, where Kate Mulgrew wanted to do the whole episode with no dialogue whatsoever. Oh, that would have been interesting. Yes, but also This was just after Buffy's episode, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, 90s. And just, you know, stop to consider how that would work, even. I think it could. I mean, there, there's enough stuff in Star Trek where you can, like, tell a story without there being dialogue for exposition. I don't know. I think it would just needlessly complicate what's already really stupid. Yeah. All right, so they make it to the turbo lift, and they're saying it's getting kind of hot, to which they uh, point out that, oh, well, the cooling systems and the, the warp core have gone down, so expect it to get warm in here. Uh, that doesn't sound right. Okay. Well, no, you know they they just vent all the heat off into space because that works so well for cooling a spacecraft. Right. Exactly. 
Um, yeah, all of this is just kind of weird. Like, he just, like, bleeds <clears throat> off into space. You just pretty much can't stop it. All right. Oh, except now they, they make this little funny conversation about, like, he grew up, like, near a swamp. And she's like, oh, yeah, I was in, like, Indiana. Same same thing. See, when Neelix was describing conditions, I was thinking, oh, Tennessee summer. Yeah. 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 All right, so they're trying to do a manual Where's override. Where's oh. Hmm? oh, that's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, but you're from Space Australia. Where everything's upside down? The sky's always yellow, rain or shine. Mm. That was Tasmania. Oh my god, that's a reference. <laughs> Alright, so they're in the turbo lift, so I'm just trying to get to them. Janeway apparently has to play Simon to get the doors to open. Yeah, their manual override is like writing like 500 lines of code. Well, you have to write an essay and it has to be approved. <laughs> Although I can so actually ate... buy the concept that the manual override is literally programming the door to open. Instead of just like a hydraulic lever like it is everywhere else in Star Trek. Yeah, no, but this is a Starfleet design, so I have to imagine that, yes, you would have to manually way over... <laughs> manually enter the like uh, machine code to open the door. Right. Okay, zero, zero, now, the zero, secondary zero, manual one. override, that's just the lever. Right. <laughs> the secondary manual override is that uh, the hand device that you stick on the door to force it open. Yeah. All right, so then something really stupid happens where a part of the turbo lift gets blasted open and some alien cot comes in and Bukaki's poor Neelix just scooges all over him. Well, I'm sure that's somebody's fetish. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, somebody's a little spud, isn't it? <laughs> Can I... Yeah, he's like, it's slimed me. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, it gets right on his shirt, which is like, apparently, okay, all right, here's the here's a fucking thing. Here's was it the same time episode. that the Usinator was out? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. No. He was there, he came later. But anyway, so, okay, they go to the transporter pad. This, this, this bioorganic compound with humanoid DNA could eat through a transporter pad. It gets on Elix's shirt, and it just sits there. It, well, and his shirt, his shirt is like, huh, okay. And it's making him nauseous, but he doesn't take his shirt off to get rid of it. Well, as for not eating through his shirt, his shirt is not made of transporter pad. <laughs> Actually, it is. I explained in another episode that all Daniels' clothes are made from transporter pads he's sewed together. Huh. <laughs> they won't make him clothes, so he said to, yeah, create them himself. Well, I haven't watched a lot of Voyager <laughs> in a long time, so I guess I probably forgot about that. So yeah. don't, it's supposed to complain about how hot it's getting, so he's wearing clothes that have this corrosive gunk on it right underneath his face, and he's complaining about how bad it smells. Yeah. Neelix, you're a fucking moron. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, your writers are fucking morons. Uh, it's probably more that the makeup department is just lazy and wouldn't let him take the shirt off. Well, yeah, because then you have to show all 16 of a Talaxian's nipples, and that would just be a lot of effort. Well, even if he has like a t-shirt on underneath it, they would still have to like do his arms up. Right, right. Just a lot of but hassle. The, well, the nipples are, you know, about two centimeters long each, so. At least according to that, that that rule 34 I was looking at earlier. Anyway, so now they're in the Jeffries tubes. Whoop-de-shit. Okay, so now it's getting hot in there and Mulgrew's getting sweaty. Oh, my. Okay, so it's just, okay, I'm moving forward. So they're in a the thing. There's life signs above them. She goes up there. He's not feeling well. She goes to find a med kit, which is a few... Decks above. Yeah, so she, she scans him with a tricorder and says that his lungs are filling with fluid. <clears throat> yeah, and he goes, she responds, my lung. <laughs> yeah. 
Continuity. Yes. Hooray. So the, congratulations. The writer did one thing right in this episode. <laughs> all right. So she climbs up. The, there's okay. Remember, what was that Metal Gear Solid game or the Metal Gear game where you go up the ladder for like half an hour? That was three. That was three. Well, it's happening now. It's happening now in Voyager. She climbs up this ladder for fucking 20 minutes and I am done already. So, okay. So she climbs up and away, leaves Neelix's behind. Uh, she gets the hypo spray, leaves the rest of the thing behind. He goes, help, I'm being attacked. And she, slowly as possible, makes her way down the fucking ladder. Well, you yeah. notice that Voyager's uh, ladders don't have slidey poles. I was going to say, having each individual rung installed directly <clears throat> to the wall was probably not a good method of expediency here. No. No, it wasn't. Yeah, because you can't, you can't do the fireman slide down them. Yeah. So she- so she comes, looks where Neelix was laying, and there's only a pool of Talaxian urine left because he was so scared. And apparently he's been dragged away. It's very thick urine. Well, Talaxians don't drink up enough water. Comes so out she, like string. Now the thing is, she looks down the hallway, there's a trail of goo that she could follow, but she chooses not to, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> 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 Seriously, she looks, and there's a perfect trail that she could follow to go get him. But she goes, nah, I'm going to walk around. So next time we see her, she's just in engineering, even though she said she was going to the bridge. This episode's so awful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now she's zipping around. She goes to engineering for some reason. We don't know why. She, she apparently around. goes. She apparently just goes to engineering because there is someone's footlocker there with a phaser rifle and a knife and a backpack in it. Yeah, it's a Borderlands 2 loot box is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Especially when they can just have her, like, walk down a corridor and open a door and just say that's a weapons locker. No, no, no. But she does get half naked and puts on her little tanky top and then, yeah, starts, like, grabbing bandoliers and grenades and a Type 3 phaser rifle and all kinds of shit. Because, yes, this isn't a footlocker in engineering, because you want to keep all your explosives literally within 10 feet of the warp core. That's fine. That's What could possibly <laughs> happen? There's no such thing as space OSHA. <laughs> OSHA. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, so we have this, I guess, supposed to be cool, like, suit-up scene with Janeway. She's, like, you know, stuffing in phasers and grabbing shit and getting all Rambo with it. And then she I think starts it's to see how the uniform comes apart. Yeah, it is. Um, so yeah, she gets it her breaks rifle. the illusion a little bit when, like, when you see her reach up to undo the clasp on her turtleneck, the whole front of it's coming up with her elbows, so, like, it's not even actually attached to her. Yeah. Mm, no. <laughs> but, but whatever. I mean, so she gets up, she gets a little bit of the backpack, she's all sweaty and bare-armed and everything, and she's not Ripley, believe it or not. God damn it, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I've waited so long to make that joke. So long. Like 95 episodes long, or? Yes. Yes. All right, so she's now just skulking around the ship, trying to look badass. So having having played Star Trek, uh, oh, God, what was it? Not Red Alert. What was it? Hazard Squad, something like that? It was, it was the one Voyager. Set of Voyager, right? Yeah, it was a Voyager. Uh, yeah, you play like uh, Mako's, basically, on Voyager. Yeah. It's a first-person shooter. So this is, this is what this must have been, like, the inspiration for. So she gets to the bridge. There's nobody up there. Everything's covered in goo. Uh, so she goes to Harry Station, which I guess normally looks that way because probably just exudes that crap. 
Okay. All it's, right. He it's, takes off a it's panel. It's all his hair product. <laughs> yeah, he, he leans his head against the wall for a second. And he just leaves a stain <laughs> right in the geranium. All right. So she pulls off a panel, starts doing something we don't even fucking know or understand or care about. Um, and then we get we get floaty camera. We get evil dead camera. And it's this giant thing that's moving around. But no, it turns out to be just a tiny little mosquito, which bites her on the arm. Okay. Oh, and no. she's, she's sending out a distress signal. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she goes, help me. Yeah, so she gets stuck in the <clears throat> arm, and then she takes out a, a can of soda and, like, shines a ladder arm for a few seconds for reasons. I think yeah, it's it is a thermal regenerator. Or, like, is, is she cleansing herself? Maybe. Is she... It's just scanning it. I mean, I mean, usually, yeah. usually when you have a cylinder thing with a light shining mm. on that you run over a wound, it's supposed to be a dermal regenerator. Agreed. Um, I think this is one of those cases where insufficient dialogue hurt the concept because I think what they're trying to demonstrate is the dermal regenerator is not having any effect on that. But she didn't light. even act like it was. Yeah, if she would acted frustrated or something, oh, that, she kind of did because she like ran over it once, looked around, then kind of had a look on her face and tried again, and it still didn't do anything. Like, I yeah. think they were trying to communicate that with the body language, but it didn't really work right. Now, one of the things I did like about this episode, and this is a very minor detail, is all the uh, the screens they used seem kind of custom and kind of cool looking. Hmm. Like like the, the red alert with, like, the different sections of the ship and everything. Like, a lot of the monitors and screens have these custom graphics on it. I thought that was cool. Well, several of the ones on the bridge are actual displays. Yeah. But the one that she was kind of next to at, at Harry Station, like, was, like, reacting to her and looked cool. All right. So she makes it down to Mess Hall, because I guess she's hungry. Uh, she finds all the peoples. All the peoples are all slumped over. And this is where it gets kind of gross. I have to admit, this is kind of neat. So they're all just laying there half dead. Uh, she's expecting them. And there's some, some, like, hole in their neck where these little flies start flying out of, which is really gross looking. And then she gets attacked by a Langolier with the same level of, like, graphic capability. Yeah. It's a Metroid. It's she a just needs to use the ice beam. Uh, a cold phaser. <laughs> Where's the breen when you need them? See, yeah. I mean, she took off her power armor, the... and now she's Justin Bailey. <clears throat> <laughs> Wait, Janeway was a woman this whole time? <laughs> I, I will say, Metroid Prime's Whoa. Metroids looked better than this. Well, yeah. <laughs> Alright, so this thing, like, knocks her to the ground. It's these weird triumvirate floaty thingies that fly under some sort of buzzing apparatus that we don't ever see. But they have these central sharp proboscises that stab forward. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. <laughs> So it, like, Why there's no reason for them to be flying? Yeah. None. They, they have to make this insectoid flying noise, but you don't see wings or anything. So That's because they're moving so fast. Okay, look here, you. Sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, just like there's only one Olsen twin. Um, there is now. <laughs> all right, so she gets not... Twins. Keep breeding. Um, <laughs> through mitosis. All right, so she gets knocked around, runs out. She blows the thing up with a phaser. Goo goes everywhere, which is a nice effect. And she starts stomping around. She realizes she's hurt. And then goes, hmm, maybe I should go somewhere else. But it's very obvious the little mark in her arm is quickly uh, quickly getting infected. 
So she finally makes it down to Med Bay, and she's greeted by a phaser in the face. Hello. Good job, Doctor. I'm Dr. Phaser. Please state the nature of the medical emergency you're about to have. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I like how even as the doctor is saying, oh, Captain, it's you. I was expecting someone else. He's still holding the phaser on her. Right, right. (laughs) What a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was Paris. All right, so now we finally get some exposition of what's going on. The doctor, of course, being a holographic life form, doesn't worry about stuff, so he has to stay in sick bay. He tries to go out there with his hollow emitter, but they keep attacking it, and he's afraid it's going to get destroyed because it's really fragile, apparently. All right. Well, it is if it keeps getting stabbed. <laughs> Besides, it's brand new. He's a little paranoid about it. Yeah. That might last. It's last four more seasons. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so now it's flashback time. All right, so there's a mining colony of some lizard-faced bastards like on an asteroid somewhere because that sucks. That's a horrible life. Uh, apparently they're sick, so they decided to go check it out even though Neelix and Janeway are on a planet uh, like a light year away. They've got the black lung. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. All right, so the doctor, of course, wants to go help out because this is a medical thing. He says we can help him. He says, I can even go down there because I'm artificial, so I won't get sick. So, you know, no chance of uh, uh, spraying the disease. Uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for telegraphing that, doctor. I mean, there's just no chance that I could possibly bring any sort of contagion aboard the ship. It just is impossible to happen. We get it, doctor. All right, so now they do call back to there's a lot of bioelectric interference, which is one of the hallmarks of this uh, infection. Am I boring you? A little. (laughs) Don't blame me, man. Blame this stupid episode. Okay, God. So, yeah, the doctor's been reading up on Starfleet guidelines, one-away missions, da-ba-da-ba-da-ba, let me go down there. He goes down into the mine. I'm I'm skipping four because this is just shit. But I do like that. I I do like that when the doctor beams down, he immediately starts reporting on every single everything (laughs) he sees. Yeah, he starts podcasting his trip down there. <laughs> and then I walk into this room, and I'm looking at this kind yeah, of rock. And enough data. Have... Yeah. <laughs> All right, so he finds one of the, the scaly aliens with a thing on his neck, and scalians. little buggies fly out. He's like, oh, cool. Scalians. Scalians, yes. These little weird they good on salads. <laughs> Ew, no, they don't. They're all crunchy. All right, so yes. And he but, quickly start... yeah, Andy starts geeking out. Yeah, he starts geeking out. They're like, oh my god, these are macro viruses, and they're growing in size exponentially. That's amazing. Ha-pa-da. How cool is that? So he's like, oh, we should beam everyone on board the ship. And <laughs> Chakotay's like, no. <laughs> We're not what? affecting the ship, too, you ass. Okay, what if I put up a force field? <clears throat> just like a, just a weak one. <laughs> just a little force field. Yeah. It's about, it's about waist high. It's like a picket fence. <laughs> Stupid. A picket so force field. He wants to beam the virus aboard so he can examine it. Chakotay's, of course, like, no, since it's unknown, the biofilters might not catch it when we transport it, so it could be bad. Okay, yeah, so well, if the biofilters caught it, it wouldn't be transported. Well, I was thinking, right? no, it, it, no, it gets transported, it just doesn't get filtered out intentionally, because when the biofilters intentionally filter out certain things, if it doesn't know what to look for, it doesn't know to filter it out. But if they're trying to bring it back, why would they want to filter it out in the first place? I that's that's a good, that's what I don't think yeah, Chakotay so the, understands the only, how this works. <laughs> I think the only way to interpret this is that the doctor wants to beam it up 
to get the data in the biofilter so he can examine that, but it also flies against some of the dialogue. Like, oh, right. There, there's probably a middle ground you can reach with this, and I'm trying really hard. Uh, <laughs> valiantly, valiantly. But yeah, um, Vicky's absolutely right. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, so then the doctor's like, well, we can put a force field around sick bay and do a quarantine. You know, and these people need help. We'll beam them just up to there. And, and Chakotay's still like, no, this is not how we do this. You're going to infect the whole ship. <laughs> Stop making the plot happen. I look, I am a boring character and I want to remain boring. I don't want anything to happen. Well, you know, okay. <clears throat> Going back to the whole alien thing. Okay, in Alien 1, Ripley's the only character that's saying, we need to obey protocol and follow the rules. Right. Everyone says, like, fuck it, no, let's bring the ship back inside the ship. <laughs> if anyone had listened to Ripley in the first Alien movie, nothing would have happened. Everyone right. would have lived. Yeah. And we wouldn't get so many shitty sequels either. In this case, in Voyager, Chakotay is Ripley. Mm, yeah. Not a Very boring Ripley. <laughs> <laughs> he barely even makes a ripple in the entire story. Not very Ripley at all. All right, so now here's something that's weird. This is another thing that I think, okay, you guys are real. I don't know who wrote this, but stop it. Uh, it's in the transporter buffer, right? So they do, they contain the virus <sighs> in the transporter buffer. Yeah. Okay. Which means it's 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 in a matter stream of its constituent quantum particles. The data exists in this quantum stream kept as computer code. Okay. Okay. So then what happens? It crawls out <laughs> physically. Yes. To quote the episode, it migrated to the pattern buffer. Fuck you, Voyager. And then somehow from there it gets into a gel pack in the mess hall on a different deck in a different part of the ship with no direct <laughs> physical connection to the transporter room. No. Maybe it beamed there. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a concept for like an alternate version of an episode like this. Uh, like, remember when the Doctor went to the other ship in the Alpha Quadrant that has, that ship had holographic projectors all over, so set mm -hmm. on a ship like that, and a Doctor there creates a simulation of a virus that uses those holographic systems to spread throughout the whole ship. Like, creates a holographic pandemic on the ship, and they can't stop that. Yeah, see that makes that that could be interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. because that's actual use of the technology, uh, an interesting use of the technology that doesn't break already, you know, made precedent. Yeah, so, yes. <laughs> but it's all about just turning off the power. Yeah, but it's a Star Trek thing, so they can't just turn off the power. Oh, right, right. They can never the just turn off the power. <laughs> right, especially because... since it's a hollow emitter. Yeah. Well, Chakotay also has his Madden game in pause, and he don't want to lose the save file. So. Right. <laughs> All right, so the doctor comes in and apologizes to Chakotay in this flashback. And he goes, oh, sorry about me being a dick. And he's like, Chakotay's like, that's fine. Nothing's, nothing bad's going to happen. Nothing bad happened. It's all fine. You're fine. It's okay to not follow protocol and argue with me. Everything's fine, doctor. And in fact, you did an amazing job. Congratulations, buddy. Pat, 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 here's a medal. You know what? I bet none of that actually happened. <laughs> yeah, because the doctor is telling the story. So <laughs> You're exactly right. Oh, my God. Which also raises the question of, how does the doctor know what happened in the mess hall when he wasn't there? 
how is he telling this story? He wasn't there. How does he know what Bolan and Paris were talking about? And there was a burnt roast. How did he know? Now he's a... just assuming. He's like making up some bullshit. <laughs> like... the... Bolan was being a bitch and Paris was being obnoxious. And incompetent. Because <clears throat> both, yeah, science... both of those are consistent with how the doctor views Paris. It is amazing that on a science ship, there's such a lack of chemistry. <laughs> also, that's some badly burned roast if it started out as 12 kilograms. Yeah, and it went down. Well, it's a charcoal briquette now. <laughs> All right, so whatever. So, yeah, he's like, well, the replicators are broken, so can you fix them? And actually, like, oh, now you need me because you want me to fix stuff. I'm like, yeah, you're the fucking engineer. <laughs> Why, why is this a conversation? This whole dialogue between them is really weird. Very, very weird. And it's just unpleasant to watch. They're like both just shitty people. I think this is when they're trying to do the, uh, you know, set up sexual tension between them thing. Yeah, well, whatever sexy is, this is the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Although she got honey all over her hand, so there's that. So yes, so she touching she t being an engineer, she touches an infected gel pack because that's what you do, barehanded. Ugh, and bitch. it spluts all over her. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, if they would have transported it out of there into sick bay, then you know the infection would have just gotten the biofilter and then gone to the pattern buffer and infected another gel oh! pack somewhere else on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's getting to our warp coils. It's infecting our warp coils now. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Voyager. The warp right, drive so is sneezing. The apparently this jewel pack was so infected that just touching it causes it to explode. Oh yeah, it, it's like a really ripe zit. It was swollen. You. He was right. <clears throat> so now the uh, flashback is over. We're back in sick bay with Jane Sweat Sweatway. Catherine Sweaty Jane Sweatway. I think this has gotten away from you. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyway, but the good thing is the doctor does have a cure. He just can't uh, use it anywhere because he can't leave sick bay because the things will attack him and destroy his mobile emitter. So, he needs someone else to uh, basically aerosolize it and put it into uh, the atmosphere. But he's got to go down to uh, environmental controls to do that. So, now Janeway gets to do this. All right, so now we go back to the flashback, annoyingly. Okay, it's airborne, quarantine the mess hall. <clears throat> they put up a force field. They do a level four quarantine. Of all force of deck fields two. and everything else uh, on the entire deck. And this thing just, without any explanation, gets past it without any. Yeah. They, they just, just mentioned that it, oh, it just left. My it got through the force field. So my assumption is that the <clears throat> force fields are just around the, like, you know, normal human access points. So, like, the. The doorways to the Jeffries tubes, the the doorway to the turbo lift, but if the thing could just punch through deck plating. There's probably no force field under that, so it just you know punches through to a deck where there's not a force field. I like to think that a level four. I mean, like there's there's no way you could. Thorough. There's no way you could have the force field <clears throat> go through the conduits. Ah, oh, so terrible. What's the point of even having the 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 quarantine if it did literally nothing? <laughs> Because most, right, so most viral infections can't literally force their way through solid deck plating. <laughs> I guess. 
All right, they're down in, in Med Bay, and old vagina ears is looking in Spock's thing with a blue light shining in her face. It's a microscope, Scott. Yeah, I don't they know. They literally about that. call it the microscope. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a microscope. Uh, yeah, so she's kind of zoomed in on us, this weird triumvirate thing, and she's looking at it, and then she looks away for a second, she looks back, and it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Which is unintentionally hilarious. <laughs> what? The comm badge beeps and it's calling her from inside the med bay. <laughs> so now it's big enough. It was microscopic literally two seconds ago. Now it's big enough to be seen flying around. The doctor, thinking quickly, erects a force field, which apparently works here. <laughs> <laughs> this episode's so stupid. <laughs> Right. So in, in, in sick bay and is just getting sicker and sicker and dying, which is great. Oh, I didn't think Klingons got nauseous. Don't you have redundant stomachs? And she's like, oh, yeah, both of my stomachs are queasy. Uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, we got lungs and organs all over the fucking place in this episode. So she's like craning her neck and then Paris gets to see the two gross anuses on her the side of her neck and she gets to watch fruit flies fly out of it. Like, well, you always wanted to be a mother. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta name them. All right. So then we cut back literally 10 seconds later, and the virus is the size of a house cat floating around inside the force field. I like that Cass helpfully volunteers. Its size has increased to half a meter. Uh oh. You know, in thanks. case nobody noticed. <laughs> Hey, Doctor, it's in the forest field. Thank you, Cass. I can see it. <laughs> doctor, it's flying around. Cass is just giving stage directions to the CGI people. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's a weird scene, and it seems like there would be a better way to do this. So he has a so the Doctor has a hypospray with an antiviral. Uh-huh. Okay. Cass takes three steps backwards. They lower the forest field. And the doctor physically grapples with the thing to inject it with the hypospray. Mm -hmm. Seems like there'd be a better way to do this. Perhaps, you know, aerosolize it and pump it into the force field. You know, yeah. I mean, or have Kess... Like, put a force field around Kess. Or, yeah, I have Kess just... <laughs> and maybe inoculate Kess. <laughs> so, yes, there was about half a dozen better suggestions of what hmm. just happened. Or, you know, lock onto it with a transporter and beam it off the ship. Oh, my God. Anything. Anything. Of course, then it would just get into the pattern buffer. Although the doctor has a great line of one down, 10 billion to go. So apparently I, there was exactly 10 billion in one of these things. I think you're going to have a hard time getting a hypo spray on the ones that are still the size of gnats. Yeah. All right. So then the rest of the episode is spent with the doctor inventing a microscopic hypospray. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, and uh, building a microscopic him to administer it. He's <laughs> <laughs> not the nature of medical emergency. Yes, doctor. <laughs> All right. So he's a micro like thousands of microscopic docker doctors going out through it going throughout the ship <laughs> like ants like form bridges yeah. and climb up things like <laughs> that's hilarious all right so apparently the macrophages are now floating around uh mess hall and they they attack the doctor or his transmitter anyway 
whatever they fucking call it. So then the flashback ends again. Uh, so now he's like, I can't do the thing because I can't get to the environmental controls. Okay. How many of the larger ones are out there? I don't know. Okay. That was All some right. useful dialogue. Okay. And it just keeps going. Okay. They're going to split up and try to make it. He's going to go one way. She's going to go another. They're going to try to. And then reset. once they get into the conduits, they have this lovely conversation about how the doctor doesn't know how to get around the ship. Uh, Which again just yeah. seems so necessary. <clears throat> I don't know. Janeway's telling him she, he needs to take the toll road to get. To <laughs> <laughs> Although I do think it's funny they put a little Easter egg in there. She, she does say to, to take a left at section thirty-one. Well, and then the doctor gets a good reference to who designed the ship. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the writers actively hate Star Trek. Have we have we got that clear yet? Well, I think anyone watching this episode probably hates it, too. <laughs> well, what is the reference to Section 31? Well, she says, take a left at Section 31. Because she's explaining how to get to a certain place, and then, oh, at this place, take a left at Section 31. Oh, okay. Section, 30, Section 31 being the Starfleet like, secret agency. They all dress in black and are all creepy and do time travel stuff. And Section like the 31 doesn't agent. do the time travel stuff. Well, they do. They do sometimes. I mean, they're not the the, the temporal agency or whatever in the twenty ninth century, but they they still involved in all that crap. Is this Star Trek Online bullshit. Uh, partly, but it's also in like okay, Enterprise. Okay, well, that explains that. It's also in Enterprise and other things. So, shush. All right, so Janeway comes around. There's a Jeffries too. There's a couple of the things she shoots them. They blow up. Whoopty shit! Oh yeah, my it, god! It, it, it is very uh, video game like how they're just all in a straight line and kind of just hovering there. Yeah, because she hasn't gotten close enough yet to trigger their uh, movement animations. <laughs> Janeway Prime. All right, so the doctor just pushed out and ran into a uh, into a shuttlecraft. <laughs> what a wimp! So she makes it to environmental control. Uh, Maybe he should okay. put his holographic emitter inside of his, you know, physical space so that'd be more protected from outside elements you would think no that's dumb <laughs> all right so she makes it she makes it into environmental control and the ship starts getting knocked around like it's being fired at that's because it's being fired at <laughs> the so, attacks are here to hopefully attack them yes <laughs> they're attacked attacks tactics <laughs> And that thing in front of their face, they can't brush their teeth, so to keep their <laughs> breath clean, they have to use Tic Tacs. Sorry. All right. Um, yeah, so basically they, they found the uh, the miners on the asteroid, purified them by killing them all. Now they're going to purify the Voyager by killing them all. What is this, Warhammer 40K? Yeah, they must be purified. All right. Voyager's existence is a threat. It's got to be destroyed. Okay. And she's like, no, we have a cure. We just have to use it. And he's like, okay, I'll give you an hour to do it. Okay, bye. But you so, broke the thing I need to fix it with. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Son of a bitch. All right. So, okay, there's that. Okay. So, now this is an interesting kind of thing. Um, so now if we give them something to sink their teeth into. So, they go to the holodeck. They program the holodeck for a RISA program. And they have it where, like, the people are as realistic as possible giving off lots of heat and warmth, which they apparently are attracted to. 
and she makes a point of saying that she programmed the characters mm. to respond to the viruses as if that was actually important. Right, right, because the viruses, of course, being viruses, are clearly smart enough to know the difference. Yeah. Yeah, she programmed these people in the span of, like, 30 seconds. Uh-huh. Right. And programmed them to feel pain and fear. Yes, that's the important part. <laughs> she programmed them to suffer. <laughs> uh, also, right. while she was doing this, she also created the antigen bomb. Yes. Which apparently, somehow, this one little thing manages to fill the entire ship. No, it doesn't. It's uh, specifically just to kill the ones in the holodeck. Yeah. So we get more shots of her skulking down the red alert hallways in the dark with a, her shirtless arms gripping a, a rifle and a grenade. Yeah, so her antigen bomb is literally just the canister of the aerosolized antidote put on an explosive. Like, just, yeah. you know, a, a, yeah, a grenade. Photon like, grenade. Yeah, it's a photon it's, grenade. It's the, <laughs> he's a scientist. <laughs> It's so she's about the most it improvised there. bomb you can get. Alright, so she's about to toss it in there, and one of these fucking things comes around the corner, knocks on the ground, and starts trying to impregnate her. Okay, also, when she, she turns on the timer, she has it set for 40 seconds. Yes. Who does that? Well, time to get away. Anyway. You know? Janeway, because Janeway knew that the one was going to come around the corner, she needed the extra time. Well, you would sit it for 30 seconds or a minute. Nobody chooses 40 seconds. Yeah. I'm going to set it for 27 and a half seconds. Oh, well, um, in the 24th century, minutes are now considered to be 80 seconds long. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Time dilation, relativity, you get it. All right, so she chucks it into the, to the holodeck, which blows up, and they destroyed some of the macroviruses. Whoopty shit, but now she's basically defenseless and hurt. Heavy damage to holodeck too. No, I'm just kind of amazed still that a ship that size has more than one holodeck. All right. So the important thing is that drew all the macrophages away from the doctor, so he could go to environmental control and then have the entire ship uh, cleansed. With the I think what they were actually like. I think they just had the one supply, and he was supposed to go around and just manually antidote everybody once the macroviruses were destroyed in the holodeck. Yeah, or that, whichever. Does it matter? No. So they talked to the alien shooting, and it was like, oh, okay, well, you did it. I believe you. Okay, bye. Thanks for the cure. Oh, okay. And then everything's fine. And then they go off with all their with their uh, brand new CD collection. So it, now it's an undetermined amount of time later. I like to think it's about 10 minutes. <laughs> Well, Janeway's uh, in her ready room, Bob Rossing it up. Yep. Making like, it's like a third grader making a tree. What the hell? <laughs> All right. Hey, look, the one thing she's not good at. Yeah. All right, so she's painting, listening to jazz and relaxing and everything. So she's, oh, in her, her graciousness, she's granting more R&R for the crew to help them recover. She is a, she's a kind queen. <laughs> A benevolent dictator. Yeah. And Chakotay's like, well, I'm going to go to the holodeck, uh, not the one you fucking destroyed, you bitch, uh, to go skiing. Uh, Do you want to come? And she's like, no. I love skiing. I just don't want to hang out with you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay. Like, he asked her, he's like, well, you don't like skiing? She's like, no, I love skiing. It would have been funny if she just left it at that. (laughs) 
Now, only she does have a couple broken ribs. Oh, whatever. Rib regenerators. Yeah, the doctor fixed the brakes. They're just sore. Yeah. All right, so then uh, Chikori's like, okay, great. And then she just sits there and watercolors for a few more seconds, and then that's the end of the episode. Well, I can say I this, mean... I can say this for <laughs> sure. I've picked worse. Oh, my God. Well, I not, mean... Not by much, but I've picked worse. I, I don't know. I mean, this is still miles better than Armor Heroes. Yeah, well, no, I, I was talking just in the context of the Star Trek podcast. Oh. I mean, I don't think anything would ever top Armor Hero for turning out to be, like, such an extraordinarily bad thing to choose. That was a really bad experience. Yeah. Which is a shame, too, because I really wanted to like Armor Hero. Because it's something different, but, I mean, there's just, there's no helping it. <sighs> Although I think there was an official English dub of that made. So that was uh, Star Trek Voyager. Macrocosm. Yeah. <laughs> it was really bad. <sighs> yeah. Like, even by the standards of Voyager episodes. I think conceptually, whatever, it's kind of easy. Janeway, go be a badass for a little bit. But the pacing was weird. There were these weird plot holes. The technology didn't hold up. They didn't follow their own fucking techno babble. Uh-huh. You know, things just didn't make sense. Oh, because, I mean, oh, they can clearly burn through transporter pads. Oh, crap. And the needles get sprayed. It's like, oh, it just smells bad. Oh, okay. But that's not what you just fucking said. That's not what you just fucking showed. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, just, um, okay, sure, great. All right, so what's next week? Next week is... The Next Generation. Uh, yay, Rascals. Season six. Something early in season six. Uh, okay. See, now this is a dumb concept episode that actually just plays with it the right way. Oh, Brian doesn't play with it the right way. Oh. He's, Gross. Well, O'Brien is, O'Brien is very uncomfortable with his new child bride. <clears throat> <laughs> well, it is still Keiko, so I can understand why he'd be uncomfortable. <laughs> We should save all these great jokes for next week. Yeah, I know. I, I was actually planning to save that one for next week, but I just couldn't resist. Uh, no, so actually, gonna... so like, I first started watching Next Generation with the start of season six in first run. So Rascals is one of the very early episodes of Star Trek I ever watched. It's cool. Um, well... It it started in the first episode I watched, which was Time Zero Part Two, which I will tell you is very, very confusing with no greater context. <laughs> so you know, yeah, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, cool, cool. Boy, short episode this week. Mm-hmm. How nice. How it was a, strange. It was a painful episode. Uh, we don't have Discovery to talk about. We talked quite a bit about Orville. Although, even before we started talking about Orville and Discovery every week, we were still doing like an hour and a half per show. Adding Discovery and Orville was pushing us up close to two hours. Mm. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We we did manage to not like heavily belabor a Voyager episode. Now, if Ken was here... 
So, Mickey, how's the new toys? Oh, they're good. They're drying at the moment. Okay, um... so did you get all four <laughs> deluxes or just uh? I did. It? Okay. Did you paint all of them? They were... Um, there's nothing to do with Redwind because he's fine the way he is, so to speak. Well, I mean, it needs the uh, the like teal parts replaced with red, but otherwise. No. God <laughs> damn it, no. Look, uh, no, you, you know Takara's going to do a Buster and Hydra, and when they do, I'm going to buy them. I actually like the Jazz toy a lot more than you do. Okay, I mean, I'm not going to complain about that. I'm, I'm past the point of getting mad that people enjoy toys that I don't. No, I'm not saying you should be mad. I'm saying no, I was expecting it to be bad because oh. of your experience it's... with it, and, and actually, I enjoy it. Okay. Um, yeah, but you also enjoy a lot of like robots in disguise toys. That's true. But again, there's so, nothing wrong with that. But not all of those are very good by my estimation. So, how about that mini plug, that super mini plug, like Robo? I, I will assume, based on you mentioning it, that it is actually something that exists. But that's all the knowledge I have of it. This is the first I've heard of it. Scott, what about you? What, what, wait, what? <laughs> okay, I clicked on the link. What am I looking at? <clears throat> Live Robo. <clears throat> oh, this is loading. I'm also adding silver to the Dinobots. Oh, okay. Um, which one am I looking at? Live oh, Robo. Oh, that guy. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, he looks like Predaking. That's that's fairly racist, Scott. Uh, just because <laughs> it has a lion head on its chest to say it looks like a Predaking. Yeah. What is Live Robo? Uh, the robot from Live Man. Oh, okay. They're they're a bit blocky looking. Well, they're late '80s. Um, Sentai robots didn't really invent curves until the '90s. <laughs> Real mecha have curves. <laughs> but yeah, see, they all combine very well. So I have I see cars, I see trucks, I see trains, and then a lion. Because why not? Yeah. And then that car is. Kind of a rhinoceros, but kind of not. Yeah, so the, the, the second robot is a live boxer, I believe. Mm. Yeah. It's like, also, his legs look like uh, Sonic the Hedgehog's shoes come to life. Beep. <laughs> yeah. And then it all combines into Super Live Robo, I think. Yes. Yes. Which was not intended to be a combiner. Okay, okay, I'm sending you guys a link because I want to know uh, what the fuck. Explain this bullshit. All right, let's see. If this is the home circumcision kit, I'm gonna. Oh, huh. Oh, is this the? Um, you... This is the thing from Frame Arms Girl, isn't it? The charging yeah. cradle thing. Yes. What the goddamn fuck is this? I think it's I like, just explained what it is. It's it's a cardboard box transformer is what it looks like. This turns into a deck chair. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's their charging it, units. Yeah. It turns into a deck chair. It's the charging oh. unit, which is why when you look at the picture <clears throat> of the robot mode, there's um AC outlet prongs on the head as the antennas. I thought that was like a sex thing. Oh well. <laughs> Given the figures that it works with are you sure it isn't a sex thing? <laughs> no, I am not. This girl looks a little slutty. Yeah, I was gonna say, based on the fourth picture, I think that's where your sex thing comes in. <laughs> Phrasing. I know what I said. 
Uh, yeah, okay, that's just a really goofy-looking robot thing. But Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, I did have uh, my wife watch Akira a week or two ago. Oh, how'd that go? Went, went, went pretty well, actually. She watched the entire thing and didn't complain. It was pretty cool. Are you sure and she what, was awake? What, yeah, uh, well, at one point, I knew she was awake because she was like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, so she wasn't able to complain because she was just too confused. Exactly. Yeah, that, she's that's trying to That's how watching it. Akira goes. You need to watch it like six or seven times before it starts to make sense. <laughs> right. Because I remember the first time I watched it, I was thinking, "What the shit is going on?" But now I've seen it so many times. I'm like, "Oh yeah, here's the part where this happens, and he's this guy, and this person's th- yeah, yeah, yeah." It is. It's it's one of those things that's it's worth multiple viewings. And one thing she didn't like about it was like every character yells all the time, and it's really quiet, and then there's giant noises and explosions. So it's kind of give her a headache. <laughs> I was watching some video on YouTube the other day where they were visiting Tetsuo Kaneda Tetsuo Park. <laughs> uh-huh. Was it just two dudes yelling at each other from across the park? <laughs> no, though there's like a commemorative statue of like uh, Tetsuo's big bloated form and bronze. What? You're be shitting me. That's hilarious. I don't know what it was. That's awesome. Because I do have this really great, like, I don't know, uh, probably about 10 inch tall uh, figure of Kaneda with the with the laser rifle and his motorcycle. Mm. I got him in a box somewhere. I need to pull him out and stand him up somewhere. It's a really high quality figure, though. It was probably expensive. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> well, comparatively. I mean, uh, I mean, at the point in my life where I bought houses now, so it's like, well, by comparison. That <laughs> <laughs> turns the volume down on toy purchases. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In more ways than one. It's like, well, this toy costs twenty nine ninety nine. It's like, I just spent half a million dollars on a house. <laughs> I think I can handle 30 bucks. I might have it paid for in 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, if I don't die. <laughs> I just spent half a million dollars on a house. I can't really afford to buy a toy for twenty nine ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're looking at it from the wrong angle. Clearly, <laughs> clearly, yeah. I mean, because that, that's where the logic goes. If you can afford to buy a house for that much money, then therefore you can't afford to buy a toy for a mere thirty dollars, <laughs> and you can do it as many times as you want. That's why. That's why I tell myself anyway. So if you can afford to buy a house for half a million dollars, you move to a place with a lower cost of living and buy it for like a quarter of a million instead. Oh, trust me. I've looked at the uh, the real estate in, say, central Georgia or Tennessee. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not saying to go to some place with such a low quality of living. I'm saying go to some place with a low cost of living. Those are kind of the same thing, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to be smart ass, but it, it really is pretty so pretty, there's that's this a, thing called value. Right. <laughs> it's pretty close correlation there. Well, then what you do is you move out into a, like, a distant rural area where you don't have to deal with the people around you. So then it doesn't yes, matter can... what the quality of living is like. Okay, several flaws of that theory, and I get these from you personally. Having <laughs> shit del- having, getting shit delivered apparently is a pain in the ass. Well, especially uh, when the road freezes over. Oh my god, that's not that's a that's a river. <laughs> that's a road. If your road freezes, you have bigger problems. That's the if only you're... time you can cross it, unless you die of dysentery. <laughs> or it's lava and you need it to freeze solid. 
Are you in Hawaii or Antarctica? Four <laughs> K no los dos. <laughs> I live near uh, the Antarctic supervolcano. Uh, God damn. Well, gre- greetings from the San Andreas Fault. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a nightmare, and I'm glad we all survived it. Did we? Did we really? Our souls. No, I think we lost those a while ago. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, so uh, we have uh, how many episodes of this shit show left? Well, I believe this was episode 95 that we've just been recording. (laughs) Oh, wow. It's coming down, guys. I know, right? Tumbling down. It's happening! Yeah, so, barring any unforeseen delays, uh, I'm expecting the last episode to record on January 1st and, you know, post the next day, so... What a great way to start the new year. Yeah. No more podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) And almost eight years to the day from when we started uh, original Superhero Time. Very if cool. only the number eight was significant in some way, that would be really impressive. Well, <laughs> if you if you cut off one finger from each hand, then you can convert to base eight and <laughs> Or, you know, binary. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, if I remember correctly, we did the first episode of the show on January fourth, twenty ten, so <clears throat> it's been a while. That's crazy. That's before I moved to California. Where were you living then? Uh, Georgia. Oh. Why didn't we have you on the show then? Uh, I don't know. Probably because of all the terrible things I did to, uh, to Hey Mickey. Oh, do Also because it was a Toku show back then. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I know less than nothing about Toku. It would have been funny. I mean, seriously, Akiba Ranger is like, Akiba, Akiba, Kibahara. Yes, you had it right the first time. I did it? Okay, good. Thank you. The Kiba Ranger was like the was like the only thing I've watched like all the way through. How did you understand any of it? Uh, because it was subbed? I don't think <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't I learn Japanese. I don't think that's what she's trying to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not, it's not. I'm not a complete virgin to to Japanese culture and entertainment. I mean, I've been watching anime for a long time. It's just, uh... Mickey, did you try to get him to watch Gaim? I don't recall. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know if you've ever thrown that one at me. Hmm. That probably, that probably... collecting and street dancing and fruit samurais, and it ends with uh, Jesus and nuclear apocalypse. I'm okay with all of this. It yeah, ramps up pretty steadily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's quite a curve to that. And then uh, somewhere in the middle, Kikaider shows up. We still don't really know why. And uh, you get a, a French Legion drag queen chef. I'm on board. <laughs> that was a weird show. Yeah. I'm and a, the I, very and one of the very last scenes is guy is guy putting up a uh, missing poster for his best friend who died uh, half the who died uh, half the halfway into the series. Well, that sounds terrible. 
I'm kind of afraid to try to rewatch Gaim because I really don't think it will hold up to a second viewing knowing everything that happens. Like I think the I think it working as well as it did just depends on that wonder of like okay where what are they gonna do from here you know yeah it, it needs that first time freshness to actually like click yeah that's a, isn't it strange how certain things can only be good the first time you watch them but some some things like we as we said earlier about Akira get better the more you watch them yeah or Common Rider Double so interesting. By the same token, I don't think I can watch Gokaiger again, because, like, I think that's one of those things that's, like, <clears throat> that's a very in-the-moment kind of show. I actually have watched Gokaiger again, because I watched it with David. Mm-hmm. Um, it held up pretty well. Okay, that's good. Uh, I think part of it is not, the mystery is gone, but the endearingness of the characters remains. Okay. So. That makes sense. I've been watching uh, Go Busters again a little bit on and off, and that's still holding up pretty well, too. Goandra holds up beautifully. Ah, uh, Goandra. You know, we should do a Toku podcast. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that one I mean, we are talking, we do keep talking about it while during our Star Trek podcast. That That's one usually is... because of you. <laughs> yeah, it was this wee shit. <laughs> Superhero Time presents that one episode of Super Sentai. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Superhero Time presents that one episode of Star Trek presents that one episode of Super Sentai. We're not doing the that. series. <laughs> yeah. Animated. With Retson. Online. Remember how we're, how there were, used, were at some point uh, rumors every year that uh, Disney was going to switch to having Power Rangers be animated? I'm I'm sure at some point they actually were considering doing that, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Like Remember I don't. How there's doubt... always a rumor that Lady Gaga is going to be the next theme song to Common Rider. <laughs> no, that was that was just with Forze. No, just because of J Fusion guy making shit up. Mm-hmm. J Fusion's kind of the Sabertron, or was kind of the Sabertron <clears throat> of the Toku fandom. How much of it was this guy making shit up, and how much was it uh, people posting stuff on 4chan and just to see if he would pick it up as news, which he inevitably did? Well, that's the same <laughs> thing uh, some people uh, that we knew, Fort Max, just making shit up and putting it out there to yeah. see if Sabertron would run it. <laughs> By which you mean Kilby. I don't know if Kilby ever did that. Um, the person who did the um, Armada Hotshot Jam comic made at least one thing that ended up on Sabertron's homepage. Um, I think that was the Beast Wars Breakdown BotCon exclusive, which was the Beast Wars second, or no, Beast Wars Neo break toy done in G2 breakdown colors. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they ran that as if it was a real thing. <laughs> so that's something interesting happened on the flight back from Vegas on Saturday. Oh I yeah, you went that. to Vegas. I forgot about that. How was that? Uh, it was good. It was good actually. Um, so what happened? So Slash from Guns and Roses was on our plane, and like, I was like a few feet from him. What did he smell like? <laughs> uh, bodyguard. <laughs> He smelled like a gigantic bodyguard. 
So there's this six and a half foot tall guy who's about six and a half feet wide, dressed in like bright red clothes, like, you know, jersey and socks and shoes and everything, who's holding like this little bag in, in, in his right hand and then holding this gigantic cylinder shaped hat box in his left. <laughs> because Slash was just wearing like a baseball cap, but he still had the black hair and the glasses and the ball cap pulled down real low. And, uh, yeah, and apparently Guns N' Roses fucking rocked the shit out of Sacramento Saturday night. Oh. Uh, we, we had this brand-new downtown arena. It's huge and brand-new and shiny and everything. It was packed. Half the people I know went to that show, and I didn't even know about it. So, yeah, he flew back on our flight to play that night in, in Sacramento. Yeah, it was fucking rad. So all these younger kids, uh, the teenagers and stuff, were like, finally forget who it was. Like, oh, shit. You're like, oh, oh my God, oh, my God. So they kind of you know, kind of go up to him as they're going through baggage claim, right? You know, because Slash just walks on through. He gets in his limo and waits for the baggage. Cause he's not going to sit there and wait for the baggage to come through, obviously. <laughs> um, so he gets in. And as he's walking that way, he's like, oh, you know, Mr. Slash, can we get a thing? And the, the, uh, he's like, he kind of waves him away, you know. And then the bodyguard turns around and goes, it says something really stern. They all stop in their tracks. <laughs> So I guess Slash was not in the mood to do autographs after after a uh, after a flight like that because we were also delayed five hours, so uh, he probably wasn't very happy either. Because I wouldn't think the flight from Vegas to Sacramento would be that long, but yeah, it's not. It's yeah, it's it's not. It's like an hour. by the time you get in your seat, you buckle in, you 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 take off, you have a soda. It's already time to land. It's, I mean, you don't even notice it. It's it's great. It's a great flight. But yeah, they delayed our our flight got bumped and then bumped again and then we had. Luckily, we didn't have to go to a different terminal, but anyway, yeah, it was still delayed five fucking hours. So, but yeah, you had to hang out with Slash. That's pretty cool. In a manner of speaking. No, I totally did. We're friends now. Oh, yeah, I just looked at your uh, Facebook page, and I saw you updated your status to friends with Slash. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, I'm not married to, to Vesela anymore. <laughs> I'm actually just, I'm in a relationship with Slash. <laughs> So, yeah, that's actually I have put it on my LinkedIn as well. <laughs> that's flash, my with, flash with benefits. Yeah. So now I write stories about it. So now it's slash fiction. <laughs> okay, Paladin. <laughs> that just happened organically. It's not my fault. Did you mean slash nonfiction? <laughs> yes, because it really happened. It totally happened. Yes, thank you. It totally happened totally fucking happened. But anyway, no, that was kind of cool. Yeah, he's just, he's just Slash. He's like 50-something years old and looks exactly the same, and Vessi, all, all, all Vessi could say was like, he's so short. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he'd be so short. I'm like, yeah, he's like a rock and roller. What do you expect? He's like actors and stuff. They're always short. They just make them look tall. Yeah, exactly. They put them on boxes. Or up on stages, you know, when no one else around them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm just thinking like you know for stage shots in the Sano, There's no making him look tall. No, you need to put other people in holes to make him look tall in comparison. <laughs> Especially if you put him next to Drive, because Drive's actor is like the tallest man in Japan or something. Oh, so he's about five nine. <laughs> <laughs> wow, like Godzilla over here. Look at this guy. <laughs> It's to wear American pants. He's tall, not fat. <laughs> Although Gakusano is like 5'3", I think, so he is exceptionally short. Mm. Even by Japanese standards. 
Yeah. Yeah. Vegas was fun. It's it's still Vegas though. I mean it's it looks cool as hell. It's the closest thing to Coruscant I've ever seen. Because we went to this one shopping area like across from the from our hotel, from our resort. And it's like just massive. It's multi level. It's all interior, it's all inside, and it just goes on forever. I mean you you, you just spend hours and never see outside. The that amount sounds of like great. It's it's the amount of like contained indoor area in Vegas is insane. And just the amount of people, because we were there, you know, in the middle of November, and it was still packed. It was crazy. Well, the reason why there's so much indoor space is who the fuck wants to be outdoors in Nevada? <laughs> right. Now, in fairness, uh, in in late fall and winter, it's actually kind of pleasant. But yeah, in the summer, oh god, no, I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd die. Even even then, I was like, I was constantly drink. I mean, the amount of water you have to drink just to stay hydrated is crazy. You're constantly thirsty. It's so dry. So dry. Not to mention all the cigarette smoke and everything else in the casinos. They try to pump it out and filter it, but it, it doesn't get rid of it completely. They're probably pumping it in. Yeah. <laughs> like bakery smell. Yeah, it's part of the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. It's not even real cigarette smoke. They just, like, suck up dust from outside and aerosolize it. Oh, God. <laughs> That's what it feels like in the back of your throat, anyways. Ugh. So... Yeah, 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 it was all right. It was, it was a programming conference, so bald white men everywhere. A few Indian dudes, three women. That was it. Sounds like an orgy. Well, for you, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you're into balding, pudgy guys, then yeah, golden. Well, <laughs> how is Ben's hairline <laughs> holding up? Is it thin? <laughs> The hairline remains the same. <laughs> right, it's right. the density. Well, the I, saw one, I saw one dude, and I know no one will ever hear this. It is one dude. He looked kind of like a hipster. He liked that. He had thick black hair, like a nice thick beard, black, jet black hair, jet black hair in his head, except for this perfect shiny circle. Like the hair just it wasn't wispy. It just stopped. It was like polished but he gelled his hair up into these spikes to kind of go around it so it kind of looked like the top of like a staff soromon would use <laughs> like this this flesh-colored shiny orb covered by these black spikes it was so funny looking and he was tall so i guess most people will not notice but when you're sitting down behind them and they're leaning back like the glare was distracting me from the session oh man <laughs> All I can think is like, God, I, 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 I hope I don't start doing that. My dad's got a full head of hair. Parents got a full foot, full hair. So I hope that doesn't happen to me. I'm that vain. Yes, I'm that vain. Well, I think baldness comes from the grandparents. So you probably think this podcast is about you, don't you? Well, it's yeah. okay. We don't have to worry about that for much longer. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, that was kind of funny. I saw a bunch of like local people too that I've like seen on Twitter, and it's always weird to meet people in real life in meet space from the internet, especially when like they know everybody else because it's a very small community of like the kind of shit that I do. So, like going but, to the convention. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what he did. Something like that. Yeah, it's just like going to a convention. So. 
despite my my insistence, Vessie didn't go to a spa. She didn't go get like a massage or go like you know do any of that kind of stuff. She just stayed in the room and chilled out the entire time and watched TV. Yeah, whatever works for her, I guess. Yeah, it's like as long as you're not working, I don't care. <laughs> At the same time, I felt bad because it's like, who goes to Vegas and just stays in the room the whole time? It's like, that's smart. Like, you can go do whatever you want. You can go do whatever you want. She She's is like, no, doing what she wants. <laughs> yeah, making sure I don't go to Vegas by myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she she accomplished her task. <laughs> yeah, and she sure. could rest easy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of understand, I think, where she's coming from. Like, she could, like, get dressed and go out and go do something, uh, but she could also just, like, not even fuck with any of that and sit around and watch TV and do literally nothing all day. And that, yeah. that to me, sounds like a powerful motivator. Yeah, well... Like, not I, even well, kidding. That sounds like a powerful motivation. Hey, me too. I mean, she had her iPad, she was surfing the net, being on Facebook and yeah. catching up all of her news and everything. I'm like, no, no, it's great. And I, I agree with that, but she's so freaking a type you know she's always got to be working and doing stuff and accomplishing and so just to get her to sit down and do nothing for a little bit is is difficult mm. but we have started watching the punisher on netflix has anyone started that yet i'm a few episodes in and i'm kind of iffy on it really so the first episode kind of <clears throat> i don't want to say it misled me but it basically presented to me the concept of a series that i really wanted to see and then took it away <laughs> yeah. immediately Yes. I yeah. tweeted about this some last night where, like, it sets up the idea of, you know, you can have, like, this total Punisher anthology series. There's loose continuity between episodes, but basically every one is a self-contained event. Right. Um, Like, not even have more than one or two characters, maybe besides Frank, persist between episodes. But no, instead, we're just going to do this uh, storyline like everything else, even though it doesn't really... It doesn't seem like something that really fits the Punisher as presented, but, you know. Well, it's going into some of the lore in the comics, like how he gets the guy to help him out and build his guns and van and all that kind of stuff. So it goes in, it's going to go into that storyline, which I'm fine with. But yeah, I do feel a little cheated that we didn't get to see him get revenge and punish all the people that did all that stuff to him. But, I mean, it would have just been a bunch of cool takedowns and shots and, okay, well, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of wanted to see it. <laughs> More of it. I wanted to see at least at least a whole episode of it. Not like a yeah, 15 minute vignette. I can kind of understand why they didn't go that way, though, because like doing that for 13 episodes or even, you know, let's say six episodes. Let's say they do half the series be that like you get to a point then where it's like, well, Frank stops being sympathetic and he's just like going murdering people all the time. Like, right. You you have to structure it differently. Like, even in my anthology idea, like, what I had in mind is, it's basically just different snapshots of Frank trying to, like, he's accomplished his revenge and whatever. He, now he's just trying to, like, lay low, not get caught, and kind of just live out the rest of his days. But yeah. everywhere he goes, that little switch flips in his brain, and he sees something goes on, and he has to go do something about it. Right. So right. he can't ever get any rest or peace, and that's just kind of the, you know, have some kind of, like, minimal underlying story to it so that there is something to actually say, okay, this is where this stops now at episode 13, yeah. you know, but, like, again, I'm only, like, three episodes into the series, so I might resonate with it better as it goes forward more, but right now I'm not really <clears throat> feeling it that much. Yeah, it's a, it t I think we're on four or five 
And uh, yeah, it's one of those things like, okay, we'll see where you're going. Let's let's get to it. And I think by <laughs> the episode, the last episode we watched, they finally kind of started getting to it, mm. which is what you want. You know, okay, enough build up. Get to the thing. Do the thing. Um, so I think they're they're doing it. But I mean, I I think it's really ballsy the way they're handling vets and PTSD and that whole thing. That's some seriously heavy shit. Yeah. And props on them for having the balls to to talk about it so seriously and and. Yeah, bravely. Oh my God. You know, I, 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 I'm not a vet. I don't know what any of that's like, but I'm really just dying to start reading some articles from, from real military vets who have come back from stuff like that to see how it stacks up, to see if it matches their experiences and see how they feel about this, the Punisher and the, you know, the whole group of the plot going on involving a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, even like domestic terrorism and like how vets feel betrayed and the things they do because of that. And then they've yeah, I mean, got some there... really hot button topics. <laughs> yeah. I think there can be a lot of value in the setting and like the surrounding characters. I'm not feeling much of a connection into the main story though, I think is the problem. <sighs> yeah. It's, it's to me, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's taken too long for it to really come to a head because there's the, the secret, the, the agent lady and stuff who had the disc, who had the thing. And then yeah, it's I like, mean... okay, well, okay, well, we we see that. What's happening? What's going on? And unlike, say, Luke Cage, where the events of every episode are interesting unto themselves, right? this is really more slaving itself into getting this plot they want going, going, so the slowness is really, you feel it more. I, I agree. It, it's, it's definitely a slow burn. I want more Luke was... Cage. Oh, well, we'll get more Luke Cage. Yeah, I know. But I want that now instead of this. <laughs> <laughs> you can't wait for a muscular black man. He wants one now. I mean, sometimes. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're just in the mood. <laughs> no, you know what you want. Sometimes you've got an itch you just can't reach. Right. <laughs> so you need a muscular black man to reach it for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said reach around and get it for you. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Oh well. But yeah, that's gonna be good. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I'm. I think I'm about spent. Yeah. That that'll be good. That'll get us up to about the right episode length now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could always just add in random JD lines. <laughs> Or random Scott lines at this point. There's no way I'm going to use all of them before the show ends. Oh, there's going to be a best of. It'll be very short. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was stopping trying to think of a best from this, and then, eh, no, it'll no. Be, it'll be actually going, good night, everybody. And that's it. Good night, everybody. <laughs>